Hello, Pastor Steve Waldron with Biblical Archaeology today. So glad you're here with us. I'm so thankful to be your host here on Biblical Archaeology Today, where we just deal with all things archaeology, how it relates to Holy Scripture. So today we're looking at the Dead Sea Scrolls. We're in the popular handbook of archaeology in the Bible by Holden and Geisler. Harvest House Publishers, highly recommend, great book. Probably to this generation, what evidence that demands a verdict was to the previous two generations and books before that by Carl F.H. Henry and Bernard Ram, Christian Evidences, and uh, on before that, Orr and those guys. And so we're going to date the Dead Sea Scrolls and that whole process. We're on page 40 in this book. So let's just take a look. I got so many underlines and asterisks and all kinds of stuff on this book. So again, thankful you're here with us. So the Dead Sea Scrolls have been dated in a variety of ways. Radiocarbon-14 dating uh, of the manuscripts has determined that the fragments are approximately 2,000 years old. Now, of course, radiocarbon-14 dating is notoriously inaccurate. But the paleographical method dated the text between 125 and 100 B.C., now, that's far more accurate because what that does is there are certain writings that you find that are dated, and I'm talking whether it's, you know, rental agreements or different community text or something in City Hall. And so writing styles change over the year, over the years, especially when most of the writing is done by scribe. There were scribal habits. So that's interesting. 125 to 100 BC, more recent dating by accelerator mass spectrometry, AMS, between 1991 and 1998, placed the date for the Isaiah scroll between 202 and 93 BC, combining the results from the Zurich and the Tucson laboratories. So it's got a couple pictures here. One is, it says, a 1955 professor Yegel Yaden purchased four of the Dead Sea Scrolls found in Cave One for approximately a quarter of a million dollars by answering an ad in the Wall Street Journal. Could you imagine that? The greatest archaeological finds of all time. That's probably, you know, a couple million in today's dollars. And then I remember years ago, you used to could buy like a Wycliffe Bible, an original. And now I just I think they're in the $20 million range. Comic books have done the same thing. My brother's a big comic book collector. I used to be. Ruins of Kerbat Qumran, the settlement itself housed approximately 200 inhabitants. Numerous inkwells, stone benches, pottery, coins, ritual baths, cisterns, and kilns, as well as a refractory, a scriptorium, and a well-developed irrigation system have been discovered. I was really surprised, I guess, most of all when I was there about the mikvahs, the ritual baths. It just shows baptism was fairly well-known, you know, when John the Baptist hit the scene there, and then Jesus and his disciples. Um, and, of course, you would need a uh, irrigation system with the incumbent materials there just because of only an inch or two of rain a year. Some years, I think, uh, my understanding was they didn't get any rain. 
The paleographical method operates on the basis of comparison of the structures and shapes of the particular characters of the text with that of the structures and shapes of external sources that have already been dated, such as coins and inscriptions. This method has been improving over the years and has been proven to be a relatively reliable technique of dating the manuscripts. Now, the spectrometry method, I think, is okay, too. The reason they don't like that is there's a Matthew portion of Matthew that they've dated to between 63 and 67 AD using that and they really don't like that <laughs> so dating the text and, and not saying Holden and Geisler I'm talking about sometimes the broader secular community dating the text on the basis of archaeological data is another method of dating is often the least valuable of the three mentioned this method researches only within the confines of the time period of the Qumran community, looking to the upper and lower limits of the period of residence in Korbat Qumran from approximately the middle of the 2nd century BC to about AD 68. The problem with this method is that many of the texts that were discovered in the caves precede the time period of the residence in Qumran. Some scholars believe that the texts were not copied in Qumran but were brought into the Qumran community from outside areas. And if there was, in fact, six different groups, especially over the centuries there, we tend to look, oh, 100 to 100 BC to 68 AD. When you start thinking 168 years, let's see how my math is. Um, It's 2021 as I do this today. Um, You may be listening to it on the first day of 222. I'm doing it in advance. Um, 21, and so that would be, um, 147 years. So that would be, uh, 1853 would be 168 years ago, before the Civil War. So, a lot of migration happens in that time. So, they're constantly learning more about Qumran instead of this, these vast generalities is what happens specifically at specific times. All right, and so let's keep going here. The problem with this method is that many of the texts, okay, we read that. The oldest Qumran text are fragments from Exodus in Ezekiel 4QX. It is dated to 250 B.C., and 4QSAM comes from 225 B.C. I had read there was a Genesis from 300 B.C. as well in there, or at least that was a speculation. So again, so dating it, a lot of variables there. Again, even though there were scribal practices there based on the archaeology of Qumran, not everything was copied there. Maybe nothing was copied there. Brought in from outside sources. And he used to think that they were brought in either by Jeremiah during the destruction of Babylon. Some people think there's a trove of manuscripts underneath the Temple Mount. A lot there. Probably need to do a podcast on the caverns underneath. I've done one on Zedekiah's cave where they do all kind of Masonic rituals and things. But uh, kind of interesting. But uh, rabbis say they hear the divine snorting under there. The blast of his nostrils. And I know that sounds strange. But that Jeremiah may have brought them there. And some even say Christians fleeing from Titus following Jesus' command to flee Jerusalem, brought them. And then 
everything in between. So God bless. Thank you so much for listening. Pray you'll join us every day and hit subscribe and share with your friends and leave us a five-star review. God bless. Talk with you later. Bye-bye.